Hey, Dori, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Let's go into a bit of uh, rapid fire questions. The first question I have for you is, if you had one chance to change any state government process in the legislative process, what would you change? You have probably heard this from other people, so I don't expect it to be unique. Um, but if I could change one thing about our legislative process, we would have a set schedule. We would know when we're coming in for session and we would know exactly when we're going to get out. We would know exactly how many months to expect to be here and it would be time limited. So that's the one thing that I would change. I think that by having a set schedule, you get in, do your business and get out and it's very efficient. So that's one thing I would change. Makes sense. What is it that um, inspires you um, for you to be doing this job? What inspires me is when I can help a client who truly is passionate about change for the right reasons, and I'm able to help them achieve those objectives. That's what I find inspiring. What is the one situation that you like to emulate your fellow lobbyists? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, there's so many. Um, you know, collectively, you get the opportunity to work with so many folks. Um, and I love to collaborate. Um, I think that people have a perception that we come out and it's just eat what you kill, do so many things on your own and don't collaborate. Um, but I see so many folks where we um, are all very much trying to work together for the greater good. Um, it is a very competitive business, um, but there are many of us who have so many wonderful qualities where we're trying to work for the greater good on behalf of a better North Carolina. So I think there are many different things that I see in many of my colleagues that I'd like to emulate. Um, and I get the opportunity to do that when we collaborate often on many you know, wonderful projects. So that's a, it's tough to narrow that just down to one. No worries. What is the hardest part about your job? You broke up on me just a tad. What did you say? What's the hardest part about yes. my job? Yep. The most difficult part about my job, I would say, and this is just a very raw, honest answer for you, is it's very competitive. Um, and I think those coming into the profession should know that, that securing clients is a very competitive business. Um, there are more and more of us, and by that I mean lobbyists, entering this profession every day. And we're all vying for new clients to come on board. And it's not easy to secure new clients. Um, so knowing that it's a very competitive business and not getting upset if you go for a certain client and you don't get them. You just have to be very persistent and know that you'll find the right clients who are the good fit for you. Um, but it is a very competitive business and you just have to keep trying. What is the best advice you've ever received? The very best advice that I've ever received is do not forget where you came from. 
there are so many folks who get involved in politics in general who forget where they came from. And I think humility is one of the greatest qualities that we can all bear. So just remember where you came from. Remember that we are all, you know, we get up the same way. We go to bed the same way, treat each other with kindness and just never forget to be humble. What is the best compliment you have ever received? The best compliment that I have ever received. Um, wow. I think that the best compliment that I've ever received is that I treat others with respect and that sometimes my heart's a little too big um, that I expect everyone to treat um, me the way that I treat everyone else, um, which that's a huge compliment because I do expect everyone to be just as kind. Um, so I think that's probably the best compliment I've ever received. What is your favorite issue you have worked on? The, my favorite issue um, that I've ever worked on is foster care and adoption because I'm adopted. So working on behalf of children um, and adoption programs and foster care, that is um, something that's very near and dear, very personal to me. And I'm passionate about that. How would you be like to be remembered? I would like to be remembered as someone who is very fair and honest, hardworking, and um, who gives back and pays it forward. Um, I'm certainly grateful for opportunities that have been given to me. So I want to be remembered as someone who um, helped as many people as possible um, by giving them opportunities to move forward um, and as someone who's just been exceptionally fair. If you had the time capsule to go back in time to any era, which era would that be? That's a great question. Um, I'm sure you get a lot of folks who go back a lot further than what I'm going to tell you. Um, but I personally would love to go back to the Reagan era, um, the 80s. Um, I've studied it so much. And yes, I was alive during that period, but I was so young. Um, I think that is a very interesting part of our history to see the collapse of, you know, the communism and the relationship between Reagan and Gorbachev and just to see the economy of the U.S. at that time. Also, just to see socially in America how things were just so different then. Um, it was just a different period a time that I find very interesting from everything from the music to the movies to the politics to the economics and I just think that that would be an absolutely outstanding time to not be a 10 year old 
but to be a 30 year old and to really be a player in politics and in government. So that would be a time that I'd like to go back to. Yeah, good choice. Yeah. I I love the music from the 80s and 90s too, so that's a good choice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I enjoy it so much more than, you know, I did then. Yeah. <laughs> well said. So with that, let's go a little bit into your past. Um tell us a little bit about your uh, childhood. Where did you grow up and and did you have any interest in politics? So I was adopted at five weeks um, into a wonderful family, um, and I was raised in Hickory, North Carolina, um, so Catawba County, near the mountains, um, and I had a very um, comfortable upbringing. I was blessed. Um, I can just tell you that I was very blessed to, to go into that home um, as an adopted child. I was an only child. Um, but I had many friends and, um, I went to a Lutheran high school where I had an extremely inspirational, um, U.S. government and civics teacher, and her name was Mrs. Lenore, and I'm still Facebook friends with her to this day, and anytime I do something that's extraordinary or that I'm proud of within my career, I always tag her because that's where it really began. She put a passion in me about civics and the importance of government and learning it and understanding it. Um, so I give her that credit. Um, I had every intention of going to UNC Chapel Hill and I got accepted there, but we went for a visit and it was a little bit too large for me because I went to a very small high school. So I ended up going to college undergrad at Mars Hill University up in the mountains. It was just Mars Hill College at the time. And like many of the folks you talked to, I thought I was going to be a lawyer, but they didn't have a pre-law program. So the next best thing was political science. So I got enrolled with my major as political science and an amazing poli-sci professor up there by the name of George Peary had this, uh, this group that he would put together every Christmas called um, the DC Adventure Group. And he would take a group of about 20 students to Washington, DC. And I had never been to DC in my whole life. And he would take this group to DC for a week and a half over Christmas break and you would go everywhere for meetings and um, presentations. So we would go to like EMF or you would go to the FEC. You would go to the Hill and meet with legislators or you would go to the different, you know, Republican National Committee or the DNC. All sorts of wonderful um, spots where you would hear from experts on all sorts of different policy matters. And some of it was political. Some of it wasn't. Um, but I can just remember being there for the very first time and we stayed in a hostel. There was nothing fancy about it, but I can remember being there and thinking to myself, this is exactly where I want to be. And this is exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life. I wasn't exactly sure what, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I was 17 because I, I graduated high school when I was 17 and I started college when I was 17. And so I knew right then when I was 17, 18 years old, that that's what I was going to do with the rest of my life was work in politics and came back to Mars Hill, immediately applied for an internship with my congressman and I got it and I was accepted as an LBJ. So Lyndon Baines Johnson internship and that very summer 
I went up to Washington, D.C., and I did a month-long internship for my congressman, and that's where it started with uh, Congressman Cass Ballinger in Washington, D.C. So that's how it really got started. And it seems like um, teachers um, and professors played a big role in shaping you to where you are right now. Do you do you feel like, you know, having a mentor or um, someone who can guide you to where you can be as a lobbyist, would that be a good thing to do? Do you want to, do you think they should, someone should seek out to get a mentor? So I did not start out um, in lobbying. So for 25 years, I was in campaigning. Hmm. So I'm a little different than a lot of folks down at the assembly, the ones who have been working in governmental affairs. You know, I spent 20 some years of my life campaigning. Um, and so I did many, many um, years working for folks who were running for office. I never had a desire myself to run for office. I always wanted to be the person behind the person um, and found that to be fulfilling for, for a long time. Um, but I will tell you that my professors, um, at both in at Mars Hill and then after I graduated Mars Hill, I went to Washington, D.C. and I went to grad school at George Washington University. And I have my master's in campaign management. Um, from GW, I had amazing mentors and I had so much support from so many folks um, telling me that if this is what you want to do, there will be outlets for you. You will just have to figure out what your niche is and then be very determined to stick with it because, and I'll tell you, this is one of my funniest stories that when I graduated from GW with my master's and we walked across that stage, they didn't just give us a diploma. They also gave us a T-shirt and we didn't open it up until we, you know, had finished with the ceremony. Um, then we all enrolled our T-shirts and at the back, on the back of the shirt, it said politics is not for amateurs. And I didn't get it at the time. But then looking back in retrospect, I get it now. It's certainly not because you really do have to pay your dues. And I think that that's the one thing for millennials that I would say to them now is be ready to pay your dues because it's not easy and you really have to work very hard to get to where you want to be. And if you had to explain campaign management to a layman just like me, what would that entail? So campaign management, there are a lot of folks, I always get kind of tickled when people talk to me about being a campaign manager on a campaign that they've never had formal training to be a campaign manager, you know, I spent four year or four semesters at GW formally training to be a campaign manager. And, you know, we learned everything from, you know, strategy to polling to media, you know, it's all the components to handle how to really run a campaign, um, how to even put together a campaign plan so that you could go in and really be armed to take a candidate and get them from A to B and successfully winning an election. Um, but now, you know, today there will be young folks just coming right out of college and 
they're ready to hit the ground and go run someone's campaign. And sometimes they'll get lucky and they can ride a wave and, you know, they'll, they'll win the election and then they'll think that, Hey, I'm the best campaign campaign person on, on the planet. And sometimes they're very good. I think it all comes down to what kind of campaign you're running. Um, how much, um, expertise that candidate needs? Is it a statewide campaign? Is it a congressional campaign? Is it a legislative district campaign? Are you talking city council? Um, everything's different. The criteria is different. Um, there is no cookie cutter campaign, in my opinion. Um, it all, it just depends on what what kind of race you have to run. But I will tell you that the program I was in at GW was very intense. Um, I had professors who were um, some of the best of the best. I even had one professor who had worked on John F. Kennedy's campaign, and he was his get out the vote coordinator. Um, and I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything. Um, and I think that I took all of those experiences and I was able to put those to good use. And I've done five statewide campaigns. Um, and each one was very different. Very different. And after you graduated, it sounds like you were there at least for two decades in campaign management. So can you tell us like, you know, what was your um, takeaway or like, what did you learn from those that two, two decades of campaign management? The best thing that I took away from my 20 some years in campaigning was the network that I built. Um, when you are campaigning, especially when you're doing statewide campaigns, you're going over 100 counties and you can build relationships. It's the greatest Rolodex that you can compile. And I have 25 years of relationship building that I now get to bring into lobbying. And when a client hires you for lobbying, they want that network. That's how you're able to produce for them because you are able to facilitate meetings with the right people for them. And so after campaigning for 25 years, I just had a plethora of relationships that I could parlay into governmental affairs. So without question, it would be the network that I was able to build through my campaign life. And all of this campaign management uh, positions you had, they were all within North Carolina? All of my campaign work was here within North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, my five statewide races were here, and then I had congressional races um, that were here. And then, of course, I had I was political director for the state Republican Party for two years. So that was that was exciting. Nice. And after that, what was the switch? I mean, when did you decide that you were going to move into government relations? So I had served as the state uh, GOP political director for two years. And that was when we took back, the GOP took back the House and the Senate for the first time in 100 years. And after we did that, um, Tom Tillis became Speaker of the House And he brought me over to the General Assembly to be his director of operations. So I moved over to the General Assembly. And for two years, I was director of operations at the General Assembly. And that was a great experience because you really get to work with all the members, the D's and the R's. 
And I got to learn a lot about the process, policy, and how all that worked at the General Assembly. I left there and went to work for David Rouser when he was running for Congress the first time. And that got me out of the policy a little bit and back into the campaigning. But I told myself after that, you're getting a little old now and you need to kind of settle in and not be quite so dependent on the electorate. And so after that race with David Rouser, I did work uh, for Congressman George Holding in his finance operation for a short period of time before I really decided it's time to do something new. So um, I reached out to Lanier Kanzler. Lanier Kanzler had been our secretary of DHHS, and he had just formed a firm, and it was very small, and it wasn't lobbying, but it was focused on healthcare and research and business development, but it was 100% focused on healthcare. And I said, you know, I just want to do something different. Do you have a spot for me? And he said, well, I don't have anything for lobbying, but I would like a liaison to the General Assembly. And you know everyone down there, and I think it could be a good fit. And I said, well, let's go for it. Let's try it. So I joined his firm. And for five years, I was a liaison between Kanzler Collaborative Resources and the GA. And during that time, one of our clients at CCR was Nelson Mullins, um, a very large law firm of like 800 lawyers um, nationally. And so they were our client. And through that process, I got to know former Lieutenant Governor Dennis Wicker, and Governor Wicker, as we called him governor, um, he was also the former majority leader um, for North Carolina House. And he said, you know, we really could use you as a lobbyist over with our firm. And I said, well, I'll consider it if I can still bring my current firm, Cancel Collaboratives, over as a, as a client too. And so we brokered a deal and I joined Nelson Mullins um, back in 2018 as a lobbyist um, for governmental affairs. And I brought Kanzler as a client, so I didn't have to leave those folks. It was really the best of both worlds. And so I joined Nelson Mullins in 2018 as senior uh, government relations director and um, picked up some amazing, very diverse clients. Um, and then I stayed with them for almost five years until um, I made the decision. Governor Wicker, you know, he retired in September of 2021, uh, 2022, so just this past year. And when he retired, I made the decision to, to leave the law firm and to join Connect South, nice. where I am now. And looking past, I mean, if you had to look back and tell us, um, like you've started off in political science, then went into campaign management, and now you're into government relations. Um, and if someone wants to get into this field of government relations, what do you think their first step should be? Well, I think that um, you really have to make the decision if you want to be in politics in terms of that campaign or administration side, or if you want to be in policy. That's a big decision you have to make first because they're two very different worlds. Um, 
if you're going to be in campaigning, I think that you have to be realistic and understand that you're very dependent on the electorate for your livelihood. So every two years, every six years, or every four years, depending on what, you know, if you're looking at congressional or senatorial or legislative or presidential, executive branch, whatever, that you're going to be dependent on the voters for your livelihood. And it's just, there's not a lot of stability there. Um, and there's no financial security there. Um, so it's going to be, the thrill is great. There's nothing better than working on a campaign and working very hard. It's exciting. But the morning after, if you're not successful, is one of the hardest experiences of your life. It's completely deflating. Um, but it can be a wonderful ride and you get a lot of experience doing exciting things and meeting great people. Um, it's very different from policy though. Policy um, is very rewarding um, if you've got clients that you connect with and you're working on behalf of issues that you care deeply about. Um, and governmental affairs can be very long lasting. And depending on um, who you're working with or for, it can be lucrative. Um, so, but they're just two very different paths and you have to be sure which path you want to go down. And uh, now that you are a partner at Connect South, can you tell us a little bit about what kind of policies and what kind of clients you work with here? I have fantastic clients. Um, I will tell you, we're very selective about the clients that we work with. There are some lobbyists. I'll just say this. Quantity versus quality is very important to us. It's not about the number of clients that you have. It's about the quality of clients that you have. And for us, it's very important that we're able to give 100% to every client that we have. And so you're not able to give 100% if you have too many clients. And I mean that sincerely. You know, I want to be able to every single time one of my clients calls, I want to be able to take the call and I want to be able to give them all of my attention. And I can do that. Um, we have amazing clients. We represent the, the Carolina Hurricanes, which is phenomenal um, because they are exciting, not just exciting to watch, but exciting to work with. Um, we have economic development clients. We have healthcare clients. Um, we have, um, uh, you know, what, a, you know, uh, hot bush button issues, you know, everything from sports betting to medical cannabis to um, Medicaid expansion to, um, you know, uh, the IBM, uh, Humana, um, it's just run the gamut. I've got municipalities. And so their big concerns are new fire stations and water towers. You know, it's really a unique um, grouping of clients, but they run the gamut on issues and they're all just fantastic to work with. And what do you see or how do you see yourself moving forward? Um, do you, would you like to continue doing this? for the near future or in, in the sometime in the future, would you like to run for office? What would you want to do? I have absolutely no desire to run for office. 
I would very much, I'm extremely, for the first time in my career, I'm very content. Um, I left a ex, an extremely large law firm to join Connect South um, as a partner. I wanted to achieve partnership and now I've done that, which is extremely exciting. Um, I have a fantastic partner here in North Carolina and then we've got additional partners in Georgia and Tennessee, um, who are just amazing. Um, so in terms of how far I wanted to go, um, and what I wanted to achieve, I'm there and I couldn't be happier. Um, things that I'd like to do, um, I already sit on the board of IOPL, which is the Institute of Political Leadership here in North Carolina. And that's an amazing organization. So being able to continue to help that group and help train, you know, folks who do want to run for office, I want to continue on with that. Um, I mentioned that adoption and foster care is a passion for me. So I'd like to be able to, even if it's pro bono, to continue to help clients who are in that space um, because helping children who are looking for forever families, that's something that's very, um, very much um, a passion of mine. And I want to continue to do that. I already do so with the Methodist Home for Children, but I'd like to do that for even more um, organizations. And I think that eventually I'll get to the point where I can do even more of that. Um, and maybe even one day dabble a little more in consulting for candidates who are running. But right now I'm, I'm really enjoying this ride and just governmental affairs. That's a good way to end this conversation. Thank you so much, Jody, for being here. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it. Thank you.